everybody. Welcome back for episode two in our conversation with Mr. Joe Turk, the the only Joe Turk in the South Carolina region. Um, uh, <laughs> and we are getting back to our, uh, I know what the Bible says, but uh, conversation as we walk through different topics in scripture. So my name is Pastor George Gray in uh, the, the upper version of the Tug Hill of New York and Joe Turk in the uh, lower areas of South Carolina who left us for warm weather and something known as sunshine. Uh, I'm not familiar with what those, either of those terms are, but I've heard a lot about them. I just personally don't believe they exist. Uh, okay, so today we are talking about the uh, gifts of the Spirit and whether or not the gifts are for today. So uh, there's a lot of conversation about this um, throughout the church. There's actually big divisions within different denominations on whether or not this is this is real. you got groups that say the gifts are, are gone. They it, left in the first century you have other groups that say the gifts are still just as active in today as they as they were during the first century and so we're going to explore a little bit of this issue so welcome back joe thank you i I should be like i'm back (laughs) um yeah i uh you know i've been south uh now that you say that um almost 15 years which is um is just crazy which you're still So you're still talking about it 15 years later that I left. So it's, you know, we're yes. going to do a session on healing and forgiveness. And yeah. uh, no, I'm just kidding. Yeah. You left and it made me drive one of your cars down to your new home. So it's, it did. It, it did. Then, it, it has facilitated some trips south. Yeah. And then you stuck me on a plane and sent me home. I don't It's just, it's all wrong. It's just all wrong. Uh, Samantha, Samantha <laughs> asked me to return you when I was done. and so uh, uh, Yeah. Yeah, really. Either that or she wanted to stay and told you to send me back. Uh, <laughs> uh, so yeah, are the gifts are the gifts for today? Yep. Uh, specifically talking about the gifts of the spirit um, yep. that get outlined in Scripture, uh, and there's a lot of controversy around that. Um, you see, one thing I think to know is that sometimes you'll see someone say none of them apply, and we're going to talk about those terms, and George is going to go through some of that. Yep. Sometimes people will say some of them apply. Um, probably the the most common one you'll hear that people say don't apply for today is the gift of tongues. And um, they kind of single that one out. Or they say, well, some of the other ones do, but not the gift of tongues. And, and we'll get into that. Um, but there's a, there's certainly a controversy and there's a lot of confusion on it because, you know, I mean, am I supposed to operate in the gifts of the Spirit? Am I not supposed to operate in the gifts of the Spirit? What does God want me to do? So Yeah, and things like do you have to? You know, do you have to or do you get to? Is it is it, you know, is it a gift that belongs to you or is it the gift given through you to somebody else? And, you know, so um, now just a little bit of background for myself. I am a uh, I lean more towards the conservative <laughs> Christian side. But at the same time, I am a avid supporter in the application of the gifts of the spirit for today. And I'm going to explain to you why that is and why I don't agree with what's known as the cessationist movement. Um, mm-hmm. Although I do understand very well why people lean in that direction uh, and a lot of it comes down to abuse and misuse on the side of the group that i'm associated with the charismatic pentecostal tradition um you That's know right. we've we've definitely we've definitely created our own demons over the years and so but, but before you start any conversation like this we want to make sure that we let people know exactly what we're talking about because this is a big issue so when i was preparing for this i was doing some uh, some online research and I actually even read John MacArthur's book, Strange Fire, because I wanted to see what he thought about it. Um, and I can just tell you, it, it, just in case anyone's not familiar with John MacArthur's view on, on the spiritual gifts, 
I can sum it up in a very short sentence. Not a fan. That's that's basically that's his stint. Not a fan. Um, so he's his uh, the book. If you've never read the, read the book Strange Fire, um, I had a hard time kind of getting through it. I wanted to stop a couple times because I was just like, wow, this is this is brutal. You know, he was it was like borderline mean. Um, but because I know where he comes from, I understand why he has that view. And you know, fine. If that's uh, we can, we can at least come together on the sanctifying work of Christ on the cross and uh, the rest of it. He, he's allowed to his view, and I'm allowed mine. So, uh, and at the same time, he doesn't know who I am, so it really doesn't matter. Um, <laughs> all right. So, so you start looking at these things. Now, the two basic sides of the argument is the continuationism, a continuationist, and a cessationist. Now, right. a continuationist is someone who believes that that the the, the gifts of the Spirit that you see outlined in Scripture. Um, for, uh, that you see outline scripture for the first century are still active and, and valid for today. That's continuationism. It means that nothing has changed. Everything is exactly the way it was in the first century. Just society is different. Now, a cessationist is going to basically say no, uh, to that. And they have different reasons for it. Some of the arguments I think are just really, really bad. Um, but at the same time, okay, whatever. Um, so I found a quote. Uh, by a guy, uh, what's his name? Uh, let's see, Pastor Tom Pennington. He pastors Countryside Bible Church in Dallas, Texas. Um, he is a strong advocate of cessationism and has even done uh, partnerships with John MacArthur and um, uh, done different seminars on Strange Fire and things like that. And so he says this. Uh, let me uh, let me make sure. Yeah, so this is his a quote from one of his writings. And it says, so what do we mean by cessationism? We mean that the Spirit no longer sovereignly gives us individual believers the miraculous spiritual gifts that are listed in the scriptures. Uh, that we are, uh, that we're present in the first century church. It is, uh, it is neither the Spirit's plan nor his normal pattern to distribute miraculous spiritual gifts to the Christians and churches today as he did in the times of the apostles. Those gifts cease as normative with the apostles. Now, as I was looking at this, you know, like I said, when I was doing some research on this, I found um, uh, sections where they said the nine spiritual gifts, the seven spiritual gifts, the five spiritual gifts, the twenty-something spiritual gifts, and people are just lumping these things into these categories and trying to make very hard uh, delineations. Like this is a spiritual gift and nothing else is. Uh, but at the same time, they're putting what we would call the offices of the fivefold ministry in with the spiritual gifts. Which is what this guy is doing right here. He's equating one with the other, which I think is a logical fallacy. Um, so, you know, the, when he says the times of the apostles, one of the things that I have to, uh, to look at is like, now, now hold on a second. The time of the apostles. So that leads to another question. Have the, has, has the apostolic ministry ended with the first century church or the original, uh, the original 12? Which, you know, we would, we would know as the original 11, and then, uh, and then they added later. But now we, we're running into other issues, because now we want to define what an apostle is based on a first century, uh, first century idea. And so the, this, 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 this foundation of cessationism is that because the offices no longer exist, the gifts no longer exist, and they, they kind of lump these two things together. But let me let me throw up a couple of of, of things that kind of uh, um, uh, I think put a quick end to the idea that the apostles were just the twelve, or that they ended in the in the in the first century. So the the cessationist view is that the apostolic ministry can only be held 
by someone who was directly taught by Jesus. Um, or, and then they say, or Paul. <laughs> you know, and, and I, and I, I, I gotta ask, okay, so what was the, what was the deal? And I say, well, because Jesus appeared to Paul. And you know what? I'll, I'll give that a nod and I'll say, fine. If that's the way you want to look at it, that's totally fine. But here are, here are a couple of, couple of, uh, couple of issues. So here is, uh, let's see. This is, uh, Galatians 1, 19, uh, in the, in the, in the book, um, so it says, uh, and Acts 14 says, but, uh, um, it says, but I saw none of the other apostles except James, the Lord's brother. He was not one of the 12. Right? And then Acts 14, 14, it says, but when the apostles Barnabas and Paul, Barnabas, Barnabas wasn't one of the people taught by Christ, uh, heard this, they tore their clothes and rang, ran in the among, among the multitude. Uh, or how about this one? First Corinthians, let's see, four, six, six through nine. Uh, let me make sure I'm getting the right one and I'm going to turn this off and I'm going to bring this one back up. And it says, now these things, brethren, I have figuratively transferred to myself and Apollos. I don't need to read the whole thing, but you can see the whole scripture reference there. Now, if you go down to verse nine, he's talking, he's, he's obviously referring to the both of them. He says, for I think that God has displayed us, the apostles, the apostles, that's Apollos. Apollos was never taught by Jesus. So, so that, that becomes, you know, I would consider that an issue. Um, let's see. Uh, and then you have, um, this, this section in First Thessalonians that I think is absolutely fantastic. And the First Thessalonians 1, 1, it says, uh, I, uh, Paul, Silvanius, <laughs> Silvanius, and Timothy, though, those were not any of the apostles, uh, any of the, any of the twelves to the church of Thessalonians in God. Now, if you go down to verse 2, 6, he's still talking about the same group of people. He says, nor did we, that plural, Seek glory from men, either from you or from others, when we might have made demands as apostles of Christ. Yes. Now, so it's it's pretty clear throughout Scripture, and this isn't us reading into anything. It's pretty clear through Scripture that the apost the apostolic mantle was passed to those who the original believed earned that place. So it's it's not a uh, so when you talk about the time of the apostles, you've got to really basically be saying that, that today there are no leaders in the church who have should have multi-platform influences or global influences over over a group of churches or a group of people. And the, the funny thing is you get people like John MacArthur and others that, that say that, and they have the apostolic mantle over their groups – uh, you know, and that influence over those people. The only difference is they don't want to take the title, and I'm I'm fine with that. But the problem is they're still doing it. You know, it's still yes. there. So that so the time of the apostles has not ended. It, you it know, just, and it their their statements contradict each other. So which is it? I mean, okay, it was those taught by Christ, or it wasn't. And mm -hmm. then you get into self interpretation, and yeah. what happens is there's nothing that you can say in God's word that definitively says the offices, right? Yep. Apostle, prophet, yep. pastor, teacher, evangelist, or the spiritual gifts, which we'll talk about in a little bit, yeah. have ended. And even even more so, it actually leans the opposite way with all the scriptures that you just said, is that they continued to mantle yep. apostles. They continued to expand. They continued to make sure that there was a 
um, apostolic covering over various groups that they were uh, discipling for, for, mm-hmm. for that's probably the best way to put it. And, um, you know, I think it's important for people to understand that. And, and just because you don't take on the title mm-hmm. doesn't mean that you're acting, you're not acting um, in exactly the way that an apostolic uh, covering or an apostolic office would operate. And so it's, it's, it's yeah. unfortunate that people come up with their own, I guess, I mean, I don't know. It's really their, their, I don't even say their own interpretation because it's even more than they come up with their own um, foundational yeah. teachings that you can't link directly to scripture. And that's where, you know, you've talked about yeah. this before. That's where the danger comes in. Yeah. And when you, when you look at it and you say the time of the apostles has come to, come to an end in Ephesians four, a section you were just talking about it, when it says he himself, now capital H, he himself, both capital H's, so that we're talking about God himself or Christ himself, however you want to look That's at right. it, gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers. Now, if you just stopped there and said, okay, so the apostle and prophet part has ended, you have to explain how they are no longer valid for the rest of the of the sentence, for That's the right. equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. So how is it that the apostolic leadership and the prophetic leadership is no longer valid in that application? You can't just say, well, now it's just evangelists and pastors and teachers. Well, no. no. So, and when you, when you say, you know, how do you know this? I mean, did, did the Holy Spirit reveal this to you? Cause it's by, <laughs> by your own teaching, that can't happen, you know? So if we're just going by the, by the word and the application, then, then it doesn't make any sense. So you can't separate well, you have to separate the gifts from the offices. So, you know, but they it, are, but they are different, but it's yeah. the continuation of, right. And exactly, you know, that's, and, and, you know, for, for people watching, you know, someone might be against the gifts, um, being valid for today, but they don't call themselves a cessationist because they just don't know that word. Um, right. you know, I didn't know that word until a couple of years ago when I really started digging into, you know, I always knew there were people that didn't believe that they continued, but I didn't know there was official title for it. Yeah. And of course that's the cessationist and the continuist um, are the ones that believe they are valid for today. But if you haven't watched last week's podcast with George and I go back and watch it because one thing we talk about and it ties directly into this is the um, authenticity, the authority of God's word um, yeah. that it's not missing anything that it's, it's, we can trust it. We can rely on it. But one of the things we also talk about is that it has to be quoted properly. Yeah. It has to be discerned properly. It has to be uh, interpreted properly. It has to be in the right context. And so in some of these situations, sure, I could yeah. make one sentence fit the narrative I'm trying to say, but if I'm going to take it in the whole context of the verse, the chapter, or many times you need to look at it in the whole context of the book, then suddenly nothing lines up. And, yeah. uh, you know, remember, <laughs> re- remember that that's really you know, it, just because we can make it fit our narrative doesn't mean we're interpreting scripture right. Um, and so um, just wanted to, to add that in there because it really comes yeah. into play in these situations. Yeah, exactly. And the it's 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 that, that thing where sometimes we develop a doctrinal stance and it can be very dogmatic because of a view that we have or something that we don't like. You know, we see something that we – don't uh we don't agree with we don't care for and uh you know it kind of leads me into um uh this this question why do you think 
So we know, both of us know from we've been doing this for a long time, and you're more <laughs> heavily involved in uh, in in more of the charismatic, more of the deeper charismatic circles than I am. Um, and we, you know, we, we talk about this stuff a lot and we see things we don't like and we see things that we do like. And, you know, even though you're sitting under, under, you can sit under a, a very high profile name, it doesn't mean you just, you know, take in anything that is spoon fed to you without thinking. It's a, it's a cognitive process. But in the areas outside of that, you know, when, uh, um, uh, I remember when we were talking once about this uh, a while ago and I asked you, what do you think the lasting uh, fruit was from some of the early 1900 revivals like, like Azusa Street? And I had mentioned to you that my personal feeling was that the lasting fruit was division in the church, where we've created this, I, you know, I'm better because I do this, and you're not because you don't. And I remember your, your, your reaction was like, wow, I never heard that before, you know? <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's, then there, I mean, you know, you look at it because, and, and what George is talking about is that what happened, like Azusa Street was amazing. I mean, it just, there was a move of God. There was people coming to, change to, to, to Christ. It really it changed the world. Um, and so, and, and it's talked about to this day, but it's also, I mean, it was one of those events where it just, um, it really showed the power of the Spirit of God. It really showed the power of the Holy Spirit. It really showed the transformation that can happen during that time. Unfortunately, uh, we'll call it a, 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 a fruit byproduct of it was that people created theologies out of it and said yeah. that, well, if you don't speak in tongues, you're not saved. And if you don't speak in tongues and you're not really spirit filled. And of course, that's yeah. not scriptural. That's not accurate. But what happened was a, a, a group of people began to take that very good thing from God yep. and create, um, kind of their own their own um, doctrine out of it. And that's the danger of it. You watch amazing moves of God. That's not the first time it's happened, but mm -hmm. you watch amazing moves of God that are transformational that just show that, you know, just the awesome power of God and, and his Holy Spirit. It's, it is really just incredible. Um, but out of it, people decide to kind of create their own theology and it gets dangerous. And so um, it's, yeah. a, it's a, it's a great example. Yeah. It created a theology of experience rather than a, a theology of scripture. So that's if right. I, if I experience something and I believe that God, uh, I believe that this was, uh, you know, valid for me, then it needed to be valid for everybody. You know, it's like, because I prophesied, you should prophesy. And, and, and if you don't, then you don't have God the same way I do. And it was, it was very destructive, not only in the short term, but in the long term. We're still having that same fight today. And it's, it's a fruitless argument that g goes nowhere. And I think it causes people like, like John MacArthur and others, others in that, in that same camp to basically say, you know what? This is so bad that this can't be godly. So you end up with this yep. extreme on the other side where, you know, it, it causes division. Therefore it can't be of God. <laughs> well, you know, if, if, if everything that caused division in the church can't be, be of God, then, then we have a problem because one thing that you can see all through scripture is that God caused division, you know, and, and he even says, you're either for me or against me. I got, you know, I'm sorry, but that's a dividing line, you know? <laughs> and so he's, well, and you, you lose out then. So you err on the side of, of being extra careful and you end up losing out on a whole subset of, of yeah. ways that God can operate through his, in his Holy Spirit through you. And I really do think you miss out. I mean, I think yeah. what happens is, and we, I, I think we t t touched on this slightly last um, podcast, but what ends up happening is you end up, God's will is going to be accomplished. 
Yeah. Right. It's it's going to be accomplished no matter what. But you end up missing out on being the conduit that he might use to yes. to make that happen or being able to participate in it or experience God at that level. And so uh, yeah. canceling it out, I mean, really only I mean, at the end of the day, it, you're limiting God in your life because you're not open to everything he has for you. And there's no other way to say it than that. So, yeah. Yeah. And it's uh, and it, it it's. It, it tends to, to 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 bounce back and forth because you have you have one one side that would say exactly what, what what you're saying. You know, when you limit God, when you put God in a box like this, um, you limit what what He can do in your life. And the other side will say, "Well, you're saying that God isn't sovereign, and that you know that that that, that if God wants something, and, and people will well, that that kind of halfway line is that well, if God wants it to happen in my life, then it will happen. And that that sounds the the problem is there's truth on both sides of that. Where God can make things happen in your life, but the problem is the Old Testament and, and the, the history of God's people don't prove that out. Uh, when you have the we have the nation of Israel, I mean, are, are we saying that God decided to take take Israel out of Egypt, lead them up to the uh, uh, up to the up to the banks of the river before they walk into Canaan, and then be like, "Psych, I'm going to make you all walk through the desert and die." Like, are are we, are we saying that somehow, like? You know, the genocide of a generation pleased God, or are we saying that that was a judgment because the people of God didn't do what he wanted them to do? So they limited the ability of God to lead them into the promised land because they didn't trust God in the leading. So God used the next generation. He, he's not not worried about that. But people, but the, the, the argument is, is good on both sides. Yes, God is absolutely sovereign and he can work in your life, but he's not, but the other side is he's not going to force you to do anything. You know, and the, unfortunately, you know, the Pentecostal side tends to abuse that in ways like you're not healed because you don't have faith. Yeah. They, use, they use that argument, which is equally as bad. So as, as much as the, cons, the ultra conservative side causes himself problems by um, uh, by denying the work of the spirit, the ultra charismatic side causes himself problem themselves problems by determining that the spiritual outcome is only what they think it should be so they, they you have this this these two horrible um uh misuses of the of the of the spirit of the lord where really it's it's you almost imagine this the, the spirit of god in the middle kind of doing one of these things uh, you know like i wish these people would stop arguing and just let me and just listen and just do what i'm asking them to do this isn't hard you know this <laughs> just, yeah yeah. yeah. Well, and, and you end up hurting someone's faith when you say, well, you're not healed because you don't have enough faith. You yeah. end up, you end up discouraging someone, not encouraging someone because sometimes there is, uh, people don't get healed. We don't, we, we don't ever understand completely why. Um, yeah. we, we may never until hopefully, yeah. I mean, maybe one day when we're, you know, in heaven with the Lord, um, you know, we'll, we'll have that revelation. But, uh, and then other times people get radically healed. Um, you know, and so it, yeah. it's, it's, th- there is a, plan. We know that. And we live in a fallen world where there is sin and there is sickness and things happen. We know that. And that doesn't mean we just have to, well, I'm sick. I just got to settle for that. I guess I'm, I'm sick. And so I can't, no, Mm -hmm. you can absolutely pray for healing. You can actually connect with someone that has a gift of healing, um, and get prayed for, but when somebody says, well, you're not healed because you don't have enough faith, it's just, it, it is, it is, again, it's convoluting something yeah. that doesn't lead to a positive end at all. So. Yeah, it ends up being an, being an abuse. And uh, a couple of things that I wrote down, I said, uh, you know, one of the, one of the, one of the reasons that I think that this has become such an issue in the church today is I think the dividing line between conservative and we'll just say not conservative and liberal is becoming 
much, much wider. And unfortunately, there's this section of the church that doesn't doesn't fit into either of those categories. You know, you have the ultra-liberal side of the church that is embracing, you know, uh, ungodly lifestyles and ungodly choices, and we'll just leave that there for the algorithm to figure out. Um, <laughs> you know, and then you have the other side, and because that's happening, you have this conservative side of the church that is taking a hard right turn and just just going just going as far away from the stuff as they can. And unfortunately, that means the the the, the charismatic side of things is kind of getting caught in the wake of this of this issue, and. The, the, and unfortunately, over the over the generations, we have not necessarily represented ourselves well in this in this discussion. So uh, I'll give you a couple of examples: the modern Pentecostal teachings about the gifts as qualifiers for salvation. Yep. You know, um, huge huge amount of the of the of the charismatic church would say yes, they're absolutely qualifiers. Where unfortunately, Matthew chapter seven proves that they're not. When Jesus says, people are going to come to me and say, hey, I worked miracles. I did, you know, I did all these things and prophesied, you know, aren't I great? And Jesus says, that's, that's wonderful, but you never got to know me. Now that takes that argument and just hacks it up into tiny pieces and throws it, it out the window. You know, it does. And, and so in the face of scripture, you cannot use the gifts of the spirit as qualifiers for salvation. And, and so that, that creates another dividing line. Uh, between us and the other and the other more conservative side of things and then uh modern uh this this is one i i love modern pentecostals claiming that the power of the gifts is theirs it belongs to them and it turns the attention away from the gift giver and turns it towards the gift wielder so so to speak and that yes. become that becomes a problem because you know, I was talking. There's a we were talking earlier. There's a difference between the office of a prophet and someone who is being used in a prophetic moment. That's right. You know, and just because someone gives a word through me to you does not make me a prophet for the nations. You That's know? right. And I can't stand up and declare myself a prophet for the nations because I got a word for someone once. You know, it's like uh, this is this is not a good thing, and that dividing line becomes wider. You know, and all of a sudden we look like fruitcakes. Uh, because of because of these these issues, and they don't they don't need to be there, you know. And well, and there's just, some there, there's some serious uh, ramifications in scripture, especially as a prophet, the office of a prophet. Mm-hmm. If you're you know if you're not um, being obedient to the Lord and what you're you're hearing and relaying and what you're doing, and and yeah. we won't get into all of that, um, you know. Um, you know, they, that brings up a whole other argument. Well, is it the same in the Old Testament as it is in the New Testament? But those offices never, God never said the, the, what, what the requirements are for those offices changed. It just, the key yeah. goes back to what you just said. And that is, it really goes back to authority. And yeah. it's not, yes, God gives us authority. We have authority based on his authority. Um, and I'm just gonna, um, if it's okay, George, I'm just gonna quick interject on authority because I think it'll, yeah, go for it. It'll help us. And uh, so, and, and we could do a whole, podcast on this and we maybe we will do that at some point because I think it really ties into all of this authority is interwoven throughout everything we're going to do um in 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 God and and in in his kingdom and in the gifts and in the offices uh but when you think about authority from the king right if i go on authority from the king maybe i have his signet ring or i have a letter or a scroll or i have something um that he's that i need to declare or decree right or i have something that i'm going to do on the authority of the king Mm-hmm. Even though he has given me his authority and I'm going out to do that, those people are going to listen to me 
because I have the authority from the king. They're going to listen to me because I can prove that I have the authority from the king. Yep. However, if the king didn't say it or the king didn't authorize it, right, authorize authority. So then at that point, um, if they find out they're not going to listen to me at all. But even more dangerous, I could get in serious trouble with the king because yeah. I'm out there just doing what I feel like. And I think the most important thing is that we recognize that while God does give us the authority and while we can operate in that, and it's extremely powerful uh, in operating in the offices and operating in the gifts and operating in spiritual warfare and coming against the enemy, right? It, it, it is extremely powerful. At the same time, we can get out and, and go off on the edge and not be hearing from the Lord and really go into a serious danger zone for us. Um, one of the, one of the, the, um, things I really, really respect the most is when you listen to, um, an apostle or a prophet or somebody like that, keep their gift in check, um, yeah. by saying, I, I heard, a, I heard a, a prophet say one time, you know, um, people weren't, loving everything he was saying. Let's just, we'll, we'll, rather than go into a bunch of detail. And he said, listen. You mean he was being obedient? <laughs> <laughs> well, he said, he literally said, listen, I'm a true prophet. I can only say what the Lord tells me to say. And so it was a, you know, I love that he said that because he, he kept, keeps the gift in check. And he said, you know, I'm going to operate mm -hmm. in that gifting. I'm going to operate in that office, but I'm also never going to say anything. The Lord, number one, doesn't tell me, or number two, um, maybe doesn't give me the authority to share at that time because certainly we know there's timing and seasons with God. And so God could show something to a prophet where it's going to, yeah. he's going to continue to kind of get a download for a time when he's supposed to release it. Yeah. And so I love it when I hear someone keep their gift uh, and check. Uh, Julie was at a, a meeting where another, another prophet um, said, you know, I know he was doing a lot. He was prophet and he was given tons of words and knowledge. It was like he was reading I was, you know, I was actually going to ask you to, I was going to ask you to share this. Yeah. Yeah. And he said, and I'm paraphrasing, Julie shared this with me, but on the final night of this conference, when certainly everybody would like to hear him give words of knowledge and prophesy, mm -hmm. he said, you know, I, I don't have the, I don't have the okay from the Lord. The Lord hasn't released me to be able to do this. And so, and again, I'm paraphrasing. Um, I know y'all would like me to, to, to mm -hmm. share prophetic words and give words of knowledge, but I can't, I don't have that released from the Lord. And so I just can't do it. And when I hear that again, I understand that their gift is in check with the Lord. I understand that they understand that the authority is God's and God's alone. And even when he uses them and puts his authority through him, through them, it, it's, 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 I want to say it's the best way I could say is it's situational in that it's good for each situation. It's not just a license to do what you want to do. Yeah. And you, you end up getting in weird situations. I remember, um, I've been used, been used by the Lord in, prof in prophetic things in very, in very small ways throughout my, throughout my life, usually because it terrifies me and I don't want to do it. Um, cause I, I know I'm, I've read what happens to people who misuse this gift. And I remember I was, I was over in Africa with another pastor and one of the local ministers asked if he could have one of the white guys. And <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was just fantastic. Can I have one of the white guys for a few days so that we can do a revi we can do a revival? And I'm I'm not even there to speak. I'm not there to I'm not there to teach or anything. I'm there to to help the other pastors. That's like that's the only reason why I went. I was basically a I was basically a two legged book bag. That was what I was sent to do. <laughs> but I was told to I was told to have a couple messages ready just in case he wanted me to speak. I said no problem. And you know so for three nights. I was at this guy's church and like, 
it was pretty sketchy. This cab would show up at the at the house we were staying at, you know, and it was like all multicolored because it was like put together by spare parts, you know. And I would just get in this cab by myself. I'm, I, you know, and at the time I'm hearing Samantha, I'm hearing my wife Samantha, you know, yelling, "Don't get in that cab! You don't know where you're going." I'm hearing that in my head. I'm like, "Well, this is the last time they're going to see me," and I, I'm heading off to this church. And on the last night, there's like 200 people there. And, you know, they're expecting this thing. And, like, I'm there, and I'm like, I don't have anything for you. You know, and I'm speaking through an interpreter. And the last night, the pastor gets up, and he says, tonight, before he leaves. And I'm going, oh, God, what is about to happen? He goes, Pastor George, I'm not a pastor at the time. I'm just I'm just the guy with them. He goes, Pastor George is going to prophesy over all of you. And, like, I'm like, I'm going to what? And before I could say, before I could even interject, all of a sudden, like this line formed in the middle of the sanctuary, and they're ready to go. And I'm, no preparation, no prayer about this on my side, nothing. My heart's about to pound out of my chest because I'm not even, I don't even know the language these people are speaking. I'm speaking through an interpreter, and I don't even know if he's a good interpreter or not. So... So we're there. I spent the next two hours praying over these people, and it was one after the other, one after the other, uh, just saying, say, just, just whatever, you know, just kind of whatever happened. It was had nothing to do with me. It was nothing that I prepared for, but God ordained it. And I like this. He ordained it without my permission, <laughs> you know? And it's, it's, uh. things like that have rarely happened, rarely happened to me. And they're, they're, it's always terrifying. And when I'm done, like, I don't, I don't need to talk to anyone. You know, how accurate was I or anything? I don't need to know any of that, that, that stuff. I'm just, I'm just glad it's over and I'm glad God used yes. it and bye bye. <laughs> you know, it's yeah. time, time, time yeah. to go, you know, it was, oh, it, it, it was insane. But, uh, but other, you know, and then you have, you have the guys that you know, are just simply manufacturing words. Yeah. And I mean, you, you can, I mean, especially when it comes to prophecy, I mean, you know, you, you know, you look at the five offices, right? So there's five offices and those offices is, and George said it best, you could give prophetic words or words of knowledge and you're not the office of a prophet. Right. Um, but you know, you got apostle, um, and you got prophet and you got pastor and you got teacher because, um, in America, a lot of times we lump all five of those into one. And a lot of times we really just lump. Um, George, can you hear me okay? Yep, yep, you're good. You stopped her for a quick second, but you're good. I, do I need to back up and start it again so you can clip nope, it? Nope, the audio was was all fine. Yeah. Okay, okay. Yeah. It'll be interesting if you actually clip this. And when I'm watching it, I'm like, he didn't even take that out. No, um, I'm going so, gonna, gonna to leave it right there. <laughs> Wow. Wow. So in America, we end up, we end up really, we do really, really good. I, I, I've heard somebody say this and I thought it was really profound. We do really, really good with pastor, teacher, evangelist. Um, but we don't always utilize the offices of the prophet and the apostle. And again, it's not taking on the title of, you know, I'm an apostle, but you're operating in that. We could get into yeah. a whole nother teaching on that, how really the apostle is casting vision, is, is over, um, a, a group, um, but he's also the foundation of it, helping enable a lot of those gifts to flourish, um, enabling God's work to be done. Again, we could do a whole teaching on it. We won't, we won't today, but we've got the five gifts and then, and I'm sorry, the five offices. Um, and then we've got the, 
gifts of the Spirit. Yeah. And, no, but, but before um, you go on, I want, I want to say something no, no, real, real quick about that. One of the things that I've noticed is the, the, the countries with a long democratic history have the hardest time accepting the offices of apostle prophet. And mm. I, I think it has something to do with not wanting to give over that level of authority to a, to a religious person. Sure. You know, sure. and, uh, one of the, if you think about the time before the, before the Dark Ages, the church operated pretty consistently with those roles. They weren't necessarily as defined as, as we might like them to see. But when the, when the Catholic Church took over during the, during that, that time, it became, I mean, authority was lorded over. It was, it was, you know, it was ruling with an iron rod kind of, kind of authority. And then the Reformation comes, and in the process of the Reformation, most of the foundational arguments for these doctrines were established. You know, you know what? These offices don't exist anymore. The gifts don't exist anymore. The authority of, 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 you know, a single person over a large amount of the church that doesn't exist anymore. And so we've, we created this situation where we've, we're, we've found freedom from a totalitarian theocracy. Um, and in that process, we have, I think, clipped our own wings. Absolutely. By, by eliminating this role altogether. And I think it was, uh, it was hasty. It was not done well. It was poorly thought out. Um, but it's just something I've noticed in the, in, in that process where you get into more of the second and third world countries. They don't have a problem with these. Now that creates other issues because now you have these whack jobs who have just claimed that they're Jesus and they're, they're, they're their apostles and they don't know, you know, they don't know their Bible from, you know, a hole in the ground. We'll just leave that there. Yep. Um, so that that creates abuses in other directions, but that doesn't mean that the offices are not still very much legitimate for today. So, hey everybody, I hope you've been liking this. This is part one of this particular podcast. Joe and I thought that because this went quite a while, it went more than an hour and a half. So um, we wanted to break this up into two parts. So what we've done is we've ended this one here. The second one is going to backtrace just a little bit in part of the conversation, and then it will pick up again. Um, it's also been loaded at the same time as this one. So I hope you check out part two. We'll see you there. Lord bless.